Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. In the Northern Hemisphere, we're in the midst of winter and in between COVID surges. So the research article behind today's episode seems quite timely. This article is impressed with the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and the title of the article is The Association of Post-Embryo Transfer SARS-CoV-2 Infection on Early Pregnancy Outcomes in In Vitro Fertilization, a Prospective Cohort Study. As this long title suggests, this study follows the relationship between infection with SARS-CoV-2, aka COVID-19, and the first 10 weeks of a pregnancy after a fresh embryo transfer. Since the pandemic started, we have learned a fair amount about COVID-19 and its impact on reproduction, but this is new and currently unique research, so I'm going to share how the study was designed and then talk about results. The study was prospectively set up to follow the outcomes of pregnancy and miscarriage in the first trimester in women who were ages 20 to 39 had a BMI between 18 to 30, and were transferring one or more fresh embryos created from either in vitro fertilization, aka IVF, or from intracytoplasmic sperm injection, aka ICSI, and who became infected for the first time with COVID-19. These women were seeking care for infertility at a public IVF center in southwest China between September 2022 until March 2023. The place and the time were noteworthy because they coincided with a major spike in COVID infections that followed the end of China's super strict lockdown. The COVID cases were tracked either at official COVID testing locations or by home antigen tests. Women who tested COVID positive were examined in three separate groups, and these three groups were based on timing of infection. Those who were infected within the first two weeks after embryo transfer those infected within the first four weeks after transfer, and finally, infection within the first 10 weeks after transfer. And worth noting, 10 weeks after transfer was noted as being equivalent to the first 12 weeks of a spontaneous pregnancy. Embryo transfers occurred on either day three or on day five after egg retrieval. Since this is the gist of how the study was set up, let's get into results. At this Chinese IVF center, there were roughly 3,800 women who created embryos in Q4 of 2022. Most women were excluded from the study because they were doing frozen embryo transfers and or had missing data in their medical records. From the roughly 850 women who were still included in the study, 16% became infected in the first two weeks after transfer, 20% had been infected within the first four weeks after transfer, And then by the end of that 10-week period after embryo transfer, over 80% had been infected. And this high infection rate isn't exactly shocking, given that their population went back out into society after nearly two years of lockdown. Looking at the baseline characteristics of the women in the study, there were differences in all three groups between the women who were infected and those who were not. Looking at the first group in two weeks post-transfer, The infected women transferred statistically more day three embryos and fewer high quality embryos. In the first four weeks after transfer, the infected women had more day three embryos transferred, fewer high quality embryos transferred, 
and more of them created embryos by IVF instead of by ICSI. Looking at women in the whole 10 weeks after transfer, there were baseline differences in anti-malarian hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, and in the controlled ovarian stimulation protocols between the two groups. And I'll say more on this when I offer my feedback on the study. After using statistical wand waving to account for those baseline differences and to adjust for other potential confounding variables, the study found that regardless of the time period of infection, women who became infected did not have significant differences from uninfected women in terms of rates of biochemical pregnancy, clinical pregnancy, or early miscarriage. Thus, the authors concluded that infection with COVID in the 10 weeks after embryo transfer, it might not have a negative association with the rates of pregnancy or miscarriage, meaning that COVID infection was not conducted to bad outcomes in pregnancy like miscarriage. And after coming to these conclusions, the authors talked about the strengths and weaknesses of their study. Major strengths they noted included the rigor of infection tracking in China, the ability to separate out infections into different time points, and the sheer novelty of their study. They regretted not having longer follow-up time to track pregnancies, as research has shown that there are increased risks of delivery complications in women infected with COVID-19. Another limitation was that the study had a mediocre power, 52%, due to the relatively low number of patients. This implies if the study was repeated with the same methods, we could very easily see different results. I wouldn't be surprised if the differences we saw at baseline between those groups were again different if the study was repeated elsewhere. The authors seem to recognize this too, so later in their paper, they recommended to interpret their results with caution. Two other study weaknesses they noted were the potential for bias coming from women self-reporting certain data, and no, they did not share which data was self-reported, plus the fact that the study took place at just one location. Despite these weaknesses, the authors concluded that their study offers valuable insights into understanding risks of COVID infections post-embryo transfers. I'm not sure I agree with their conclusion. I completely agree with the strengths and weaknesses they suggested. I suspect they did a bit of wand-waving by tweaking their statistical regression models to arrive at a definitive result. Moreover, the authors did not discuss how the protocols were lopsided at baseline between infected and uninfected groups in the discussion section. And while it's less of an issue that they didn't explain their protocols, they said, go look at our two previous papers to find this info. But the fact that the groups were so lopsided, they supposedly took this into account, was the reason they didn't discuss it because they sliced spliced the data so that there weren't differences seen. This was an observational study, yet they had zero observations on this. I also think they generalized too much by not even acknowledging a need for international trials. We know that not all races respond to the virus equivalently, plus the BMIs of the patients in the trials were pretty narrow. All patients were considered to have a healthy BMI, so we don't know the impact on women outside of that BMI range. The authors also mentioned as a random one-liner in the patient inclusion flow chart that patients were excluded due to mental disorders. What kind of mental disorders? What made these patients mentally well enough for IVF, but they weren't well enough to be in a non-interventional study? Maybe once this paper is fully impressed, we will hear what those mental disorders were, better explanation of something, but 
This doesn't change the paper too much, as just five women were excluded. The remainder of my questions and comments will likely go unaddressed. And as it stands, the paper has modest value. It does look at hundreds of patients who became infected with COVID shortly after doing a fresh embryo transfer and follows them for 10 weeks. But repeating the study with more patients in more countries could find a completely different answer. As with a lot of COVID research, this information is useful until stronger research comes along. With that, we're at the end of the episode. I'll share more details and research links in the show notes, which can be found at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.